I hope that you have found your place there, John chapter 8. In just a moment, we're going to go to that passage of Scripture. But before we do, I want to share just a little bit about what's going to be happening in this upcoming year. If you, uh, you may not know, but September the 1st usually is recognized as the beginning of the new church year. We have several different events that are going to be taking place that I just want you to be aware of that you can be praying about. One will surely be this coming Sunday as we get together for the beginning of our spiritual awakening. We're praying that God would just minister and work in our lives in whatever way he desires to work. Second is on the 21st of August, we will kick off all of our fall ministries. We'll bring summer to an end and we will kick off with everything that will be going on here at the church. So Crestwood Kids will be taking place. We will also have Crestwood students, and we will have Bible study. I'm going to be starting a study on Wednesday night entitled Battling, I'm sorry, Manning Your Battle Stations. We're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. We need to be aware that we live in a world where there is a battle that is being fought in the heavenly realms, and we need to know how to best handle that battlefield. It's happening whether we want to acknowledge it or not. It's going on. Probably about a six to eight week study. I've kind of got a lot outlined together, but not all of it firmed up. So just make a note of that if that pertains to you. We will also begin to feed on that night, Wednesday night. So uh, everything starts at normal time at 5.30, just like what we did last year. So I just wanted to let you know about that. Another significant event that is going to be happening in Crestwood is this. Over the last several months, the staff and I have been gathering together in our staff meeting, and we've been praying about where God wants to lead us as a church into the future for this upcoming church year. The desire of our staff is to build family here at Crestwood. I think that we're doing a good job of that. I'm not saying that we couldn't improve, but my desire is to say, see us to build spiritual family within our church and to build physical families in our church. As a result of that, the staff and I want to challenge you this coming year to read the Bible chronologically with us. That is what we're going to begin to do as a church body on September the second. If you go to the website, our Crestwood website, www.crestwoodbc.com. Am I right about that? Thank you, Laura. Wanted to make sure I didn't give out any false websites. You end up somewhere you shouldn't be. When you go to that website, you will see a page there that will say chronological Bible reading plan. If you put your cursor and click on that, it will take you to a link and you will find a 52-week plan for chronologically reading the Bible. Now, if you don't know what chronologically reading the Bible is, it's not reading the Bible as the books appear here in the canon. They are often arranged by genres. When we say genres, they are arranged by themes. History books are together. Poetry books are together. The Gospels are together. When we read the Bible chronologically, we read the Bible by events based on when the events of the Bible took place. And through reading the Bible that way, our desire 
is this. Our desire is that we would have the opportunity to see God's plan unfold for mankind. The Bible is God's redemptive plan of mankind. From the time Adam and Eve fall in the garden, we see that plan put into place. We read the Bible chronologically. It gives us an opportunity to see that plan unfold as we're reading through it. And our desire is for every single person to find their place in God's redemptive story. The second thing, it gives us unique opportunity to see the full character and nature of God as he reveals himself to mankind. All right? So we're challenging our families to sit down together in their homes, whether you're a husband and wife, whether you're a single, whether you are a husband and wife with children or grandparent with grandchildren in your home, take out the Bible and we're challenging you five days a week. Read two chapters of the Bible with your family. That's what we're asking you to do. You don't have to do any more than that. It's just read two chapters. Now, we also are going to have a corporate element to this. Now, nobody throw anything at me, all right? When you look at that reading plan, you're going to see something. First, second, and third week, you're going to notice a verse of Scripture under each one of those weeks. I'm challenging you as a pastor to gather for us to memorize that verse of Scripture. I'm giving you three weeks. Oh my goodness, three weeks to memorize one verse of Scripture. The fourth Sunday of every month, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stand together corporately in God's church and we are going to say that verse of Scripture together. Together. Corporately, we're going to share as a body of Christ together. Now, what we've encouraged our Sunday school teachers to do is to help their Sunday school classes memorize the verse of Scripture so we can all say, now look, no cheating, all right? On that first Sunday, I don't want any Bibles open. We're going to close them. We're going to quote that verse of Scripture together. I have confidence. You can do it. You can do it. Do you know what the psalmist David said? I have hidden God's word in my heart that I may not sin against him. Most Christians are defeated before they ever get into the game. You know why? Because they've not hidden God's word in their heart. Every time the enemy comes along and attacks them, they succumb to temptation because they can't. Have you ever noticed in Scripture Every time Jesus defeated Satan, he always did it with the Word of God. There is a power in the Word of God. It is, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is active. It is alive. It's the very words of God. We need to hide God's Word in our heart. Now, one other thing before we jump into Scripture. On the fourth Sunday, I'm going to stand up, and after we quote that verse of Scripture... I'm going to preach about what we've looked at over the previous three weeks, four weeks. I'm going to preach about what we've learned about the nature of God, His attributes, maybe a story that ties directly to us very clearly seeing God's redemptive plan unfolding before our very eyes. 
So I challenge you as your pastor, come together with your family, begin to read God's Word. I am convinced families are under attack in America, and if there's anything that's going to save families in America, it will be the Word of God as we build our families' lives on the foundation of God's Word. Amen? All right, chapter 8 of the Gospel of John. That is where we are. We've been in this chapter for about a month now. We've been walking through the Gospel of John on Sunday morning. We've been looking at this great Gospel where John is showing us who he or who Jesus Christ really is. Now, as chapter 8 opens, we have a great opportunity to see this conflict that is taking place between Jesus and the religious leaders. This chapter is embroiled in conflict. At every turn, the religious leaders are attacking Jesus Christ. Last week when we came together, we began to look at this dialogue between Jesus and a group of Jews. Jesus started that discussion with these words. He said to them, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Those were the words that Jesus Christ started this discussion with. Jesus Christ wanted this group of Jews to understand the indication that you are truly a follower of mine, a disciple of mine, a believer of mine, is that you abide in my word. There is a longing, there is a hungering, there is a desiring in your heart for my word is what Jesus Christ says. Every day of your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ says we should live life under the influence of his word. The decisions and the choices I make daily should be based on the Word of God. We have been called to abide in the Word of God, but Jesus Christ says we, when we abide in the Word of God, we are truly His disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Did you know it is possible for a person to live freely without government oppression and still not experience true freedom in life? That's what Jesus Christ said to this group. You remember what their argument was to Jesus Christ? Jesus, we are children of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to no one. And Jesus Christ says to them, None of you have ever experienced true freedom. True freedom is spiritual freedom. And spiritual freedom is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ has the power to set us free from the power and the penalty of sin in our lives. That's what Jesus Christ says to this group. Well, beginning in verse 39, the passage we're going to look at this morning, 
Jesus Christ is going to continue this dialogue with this group of Jewish people. As a matter of fact, things are about to heat up in this passage of Scripture. Jesus doesn't mince any words with this group of Jewish people. As a matter of fact, they are claiming to be children of Abraham. And indeed, from a physical standpoint, they were children of Abraham. Abraham was considered to be the father of Israel. They were all from his lineage. But Jesus is going to say, you're claiming to be children of Abraham, but do you want to know something? You're really children of the devil. I don't know about you, when I hear that, I'm like, oh my goodness. Can you believe how harsh Jesus Christ is in this passage of Scripture? I mean, think about it. These people were hyper-religious. Man, they were going to the temple to offer sacrifices and giving money at the temple. They were praying. They were seeking to follow all of the rules that God had given them. This was God's covenant people. And Jesus just looked at them, this immoral child of Mary, and said to them, You know what? You're actually not children of Abraham at all. You are children of the devil. I want you to follow along with me this morning as we read this passage of Scripture together. And I believe in this passage of Scripture, Jesus Christ is going to teach us three very important truths. We're going to find and we're going to discover three truths in this passage of Scripture from the words of Jesus Christ. So I want you to just follow along here with me. I'm going to stop along the way, and I'm going to make some comments concerning this passage of Scripture. And as these truths are revealed to us, I'm going to share each one of them to you, with you. Listen to what they said, or what Jesus Christ said in verse 39. They answered him. Now we know that to be the group of Jews that Jesus Christ was having this dialogue with because if you look in verse 31, it says there that Jesus Christ was speaking these words to a group of Jews. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Now listen to Jesus' response to that. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father. So I want us to just pause right there because I believe in these opening verses of Scripture, we very clearly see this very important truth, this first truth that I want to share with you this morning. If you're writing, this is what you want to write down. Conduct is the clue... To paternity. Conduct is the clue to paternity. Did you hear Jesus Christ say that? Now, he didn't say that in those exact words, did he? But what did he look at this group and say? He said, hey, I want you to know something. You're claiming to be children of Abraham, but I will tell you something. If you were true children of Abraham, 
you would do what Abraham does, and Abraham never sought to kill me. Abraham is not the kind of person that you were. In other words, how we live shows who our Father truly is. How we live shows who our Father truly is. Now, we know that simple truth, don't we? How many times have you heard someone say to a child, you look just like your mother or you look just like your father? We oftentimes look at a child and we can see in that child that they resemble very closely one of their parents. Isn't that true? Sure we can. We all know that truth. As a matter of fact, most of you know this morning that I have three children. Now, if I invited my children to come up here on stage and to stand here before you, you would notice several things about them. First, you would notice that they are all different. I have one that is kind of tall and slender and kind of lanky, five foot seven, 12 years old. I, I don't know where he got it from, but anyway, he, he, we have that one. And then we have this little short one that's over here, kind of small and petite. Obviously, she has more of the low gene in her than she does the Ferguson gene. And then we have this one that's kind of right here in the middle. They're kind of stair set. If you looked even closer at them, you would see some other things. You would see the pigment of their skin is a different color. My middle daughter is very dark complected. She gets that from the Indian in our family. Whereas the other two, they're very uh, light complected. They're white. If they go out in the sun, they burn easy. But if you look at them even closer, you would notice all three of them have different different color eyes, you would see that very clearly. If you looked at them even closer, you would see that they have different color hair. But if you got real close to them and you looked intently into their face, do you know what you would see? You would see the characteristics of their mother and I in each one of them. That's the point that Jesus Christ is making in this passage of Scripture. In the same way that a child resembles their physical parent, a follower of Jesus Christ resembles their heavenly Father. Conduct is a clue to paternity, is what Jesus Christ is saying. And that's what he said to this group of Jews. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Galatians. Paul said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and perseverance. Those fruit are the character of Jesus Christ and that fruit will be produced in the hearts and the lives of every single believer. Jesus Christ looked at this group of Jews and he said, I want you to know something right now. You're claiming paternity to Abraham, but I will tell you that is not true from a spiritual sense. Abraham was a godly man who walked with God. It was very clear and evident in his life. And I will know, I tell you something right now about every one of you, you are seeking to kill me. You are not children of Abraham. You are not children of Abraham. 
So the very first truth that we see in this passage of Scripture is this. Conduct is the clue to paternity. We can never, ever separate how we live from who we are. Do you see that here? You're claiming one thing, but I'll tell you right now how you're living doesn't point to what you're claiming is what Jesus Christ is saying. So let's go back to this text now and let's listen to it again. Let's pick up reading here in verse 41, about halfway through. Jesus said, they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. (laughs) And that's kind of a slap in the face, isn't it? So they've just called Jesus out, even though they had seen Jesus. Everyone knew Jesus Christ's story. They knew his mother, but they knew that Jesus Christ had no earthly father or no one could find his earthly father. So they very clearly point out to Jesus Christ, who are you to call into question who we are? Look at your own life. You were born out of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Now listen to what Jesus Christ says to them. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? I think it is in this verse of Scripture, verse 42, that we see this second great truth in the words of Jesus Christ. This is it. Love is a family affair. Love is a family affair. Did you hear what Jesus Christ said to this group of Jews? He said, okay, hey, you know what? You claim to love the Father. If you truly loved the Father you know what? You would love the Son as well. Simply put, this is what Jesus Christ is saying. Love God, love me. Love me, love God. You know what Jesus is saying here? The Father and the Son are inseparable. It is utterly impossible for someone to claim a great and deep love for God and not love Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. Don't you see that here in these words? If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God. By virtue that you don't love me, proves you don't know God. Do you see the reasoning there? The argument of Jesus Christ? The argument that he is putting forth in this passage of Scripture? Now, this is the point. If these Jews really loved God, they would have loved him as well. Surely these Jews was well-versed in their tradition. But it is obvious they did not know the truth. If they had known the truth concerning God, they would have realized who Jesus was and they would have loved Him as well. 
their lack of love for the Son showed their true nature. You know, we live in a pluralistic society. Isn't that true? Yeah. I hear people all the time talk about all roads lead to heaven, lead to God. Some people are on this pathway over here, and then other people are on this pathway, and someone else is on this pathway. And who are we to ever say to anyone, you are on the wrong pathway? That is the culture, the society that we live in today. Can I just say to you very clearly, Jesus Christ refutes that right here in this passage of Scripture. We have a, a Burtville word for that. You know what we call it? Hogwash is what Jesus Christ is saying. That's what he's saying. That's the Greek translation of what he's saying here. Listen to me. Jesus Christ made it very, very clear to us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is only through Jesus Christ that man can be reconciled back to God. There is no other way. Doesn't matter how sincere a person may be. Doesn't matter how passionate they may be about their religion. They can be passionate, they can be sincere, and still be passionately insincere and lost. That is the truth of the matter. Salvation is found in Christ and Christ alone. And Jesus very clearly says in this passage of Scripture, love is a family affair. Spiritual life is found only in Him. To love God the Father is to love Jesus Christ. And to love Jesus is to love God the Father. Jesus' point was this. True love for God always points to the Son, Jesus Christ. It always points to the Son, Jesus Christ. That's what he says in this passage of Scripture. Jesus Christ said, love is a family affair. It's impossible to love God and not love the Son. They are inseparable. All right, let's go back to this passage of Scripture and let's finish it out. Let's begin reading here in verse 43. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father, the devil. Did you see that there? Jesus doesn't mince any words. And your will is to do your father's desire. Do you see what Jesus Christ is saying here to these people? Hey, it's evident who you truly belong to. If you want to know who you truly belong to, just look at the desires of your heart. You are seeking to fulfill the desires of your Father. You are children of the devil. Man, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall during this conversation and seen that going on. I wonder how they received that message. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his character, for he is a liar and a father of all lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. 
Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The reason you do not hear my word, the reason you don't believe what I tell you that I, I tell you about myself, the reason you don't is because you do not know God, is what Jesus Christ says. This is the third truth we see in this passage of Scripture. Unbelievers love darkness and hate the light. Unbelievers love darkness and hate the light. Light and darkness are recurring themes in the Gospel of John. As a matter of fact, in the very first chapter, John introduces Jesus Christ as the light who came into the world. In John, the eighth chapter, Jesus Christ introduces himself to the crowd as I am the light of the world. The word light in the Gospel of John refers to that which is good, righteous, Jesus Christ. Everything that Christ embodied is the light. Darkness refers to evil, wickedness, the power of Satan. Now earlier when I read verses 44 through 47, did you hear the number of times the word truth appeared? The word truth appeared four times. Another time, it is indicated. Five times the word appears or is indicated in this passage of Scripture. Now, when we see that, man, that ought to be like a light bulb. It ought to be like, oh my goodness, that must be very important. Do you want to know why the world hates Jesus Christ. The reason the world hates Jesus Christ is the light always reveals truth. Think about it with me for a moment. You walk into your, a room in your home that's in total darkness and you flip on the light switch, what happens? When you flip, uh, flip on the light switch, it simply reveals to you what's in the room. It shows you the truth of that room. You see, the reason people hate Jesus Christ is because Jesus Christ is light. And when Jesus Christ is lifted up, he reveals to mankind the truth about their condition. And can I say, people hate that. People hate it. You see, Jesus Christ said, unbelievers love darkness, but hate the light. You know, I spent a lot of time looking at this passage of Scripture this week. I've sought to abide in this passage of Scripture. I've just spent time meditating on it, thinking about what it is that Jesus Christ is saying here in this 
text. As I closed my Bible at my home last night, there was one question that came to my mind. I think it's a question that every single person must ask themselves concerning this passage of Scripture. Here it is. Who is my father? Now, before you answer that question, let's hear the words of Jesus Christ. Because you see, it's very easy for us to stand up and give an answer of yes to that question. What does the conduct of your life say about who Jesus is? That's a whole different question, huh? You see, conduct is the clue to paternity. Let me ask you another question. What about that second one? Do you love Jesus Christ? Let me ask it this way. Does the way you live your life testify that you truly love Jesus Christ? You see, I think that's a better question, don't you? Or how about this third one? Do you love the darkness more than the light? Let me see if I can make application of that for our lives here this morning. Do you love the things of the world more than you love Jesus Christ? You love your social media more? You love your Facebook page more? Oh, what about this? Do you love your 401k more? You love your house more? You love your job more? You love your children and your wife more? Who is your father? Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the way your word speaks into our hearts and our lives. Father, what a challenging passage of scripture. A very challenging passage of scripture, Lord, that seems so very clear to us. Father, you tell us in your word that each one of us should examine our lives to see if we're in the faith. I pray during this time of invitation, each one of us would ask ourselves the challenging question, who is my father? Father, we give you this time of invitation and pray that you would work in your perfect way. In Jesus' name. Amen.